How many of you have ever played uh, the game Boulder Dash? Let's see hands. Not very many. I'm surprised. Or you're really tired and you can't get your hands up. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, it's a game of bluffing. Uh, I said uh, we couldn't afford this game when I was young, and so we just got a dictionary out and played the game. But uh, you basically make up answers and definitions that that are you know kind of make them uh, believable. You got you got five different categories that you can deal with, and uh, what you're trying to do is get people to believe the answer you made up. And uh, so I thought we would try a couple of them today and, uh, you know, just uh, kind of go through this. The first one is a people category. And the name is Harley Earl. All right? Now, the, what is this guy known for? All right, Harley Earl. Now I'm going to go through them and then I'm going to come back through them uh, and let you vote on it. All right? A, the co-founder of Harley-Davidson Motorcycles. B, a tea importer who developed the first blend of Earl Grey tea. C, an automotive designer who created the tail fins seen on cars in the 50s. Or D, he wrote the lyrics to the Duke of Earl. All right? All right, you ready? Now I want you to raise your hand you got to vote at least once, all right? You can't vote twice. So, But uh, the first one, and uh, let's, let's go back to, yeah, thank you. Uh, I've got a memory, but not a great one. <laughs> so, uh, co-founder of Harley-Davidson Motorcycles. How many of you can think that's the, that's the answer? Okay, let us see the answer. All right. B, a tea importer who developed the first blend of Earl Grey tea. How many of you think that's it? All right. C, an automotive designer who created the tail fins seen on cars in the 50s. All right, quite a few. And D, wrote the lyrics to the Duke of Earl. All right. It, it is C, it's an automotive designer that created the tail fins in the 50s. So. Yeah, I saw those as a kid and I thought, what was he thinking? But anyway, so. All right, here's another one. Word category. And the word is horb-gorbel. All right? Horb-gorbel. A, a mythological creature from the 13th century England. B, it means to wander about aimlessly. C, the lower part of the canter on a bagpipe. Or D, a small town in Germany, population three. <laughs> All right? Or verbal. All right, how many of you think it's A, a mythological creature from 13th century England? All right. B, to wander about aimlessly. C, the lower part of the canter on a bagpipe. All right, lots of music people. D, a small town in Germany. It would be B, to wonder about aimlessly. <laughs> yeah. Nobody feel dumb today, huh? I'll tell you, this game, truth is secondary. If you're good at bluffing, 
if you're good at creating answers. See, it doesn't matter if it's right. It just needs to be believable. And you, you kind of make stuff up, and ultimately, if you're really good at that, you can get a victory in the game. But friends, far too many people take this game of boulder dash, and they apply that mentality to life. They, they take things, and they make it up as they go. You know, a recent Gallup poll, they asked people to rate uh, morals in America. Get this, 75% of people polled across the United States rate that our morals are poor as a country. 81% said they feel that our values and morals are declining. I mean, think about that. You know, I did a little, little bit of research on the topic. Just, just this past year, there have been over 500 articles written dealing with the issue of declining morals. Values tanking out, morals shifting. And friends, when that happens, it affects everything. It affects politics, it affects business, it affects sports, academia, entertainment, families, and it even affects the church in many ways. I mean, what, what is the cause of declining morals in society? I mean, what is it? Well, I, I want to suggest to you that it's because more people are playing a very dangerous game of boulder dash, making up their own truths, you know, creating their own definitions of what truth is. Okay, I'm listening. They're creating their own definition of truth, uh, deciding what, what their rules are in life. And... Uh, Jesus said in John 8, 32, it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom, friends, comes from knowing the truth. In fact, you are freer. Do I need to switch out here? All right. Leave the headset on? All right. <laughs> Very high tech, by the way. <laughs> Let's see if we've got some sound now. No? No. One, two. Nothing? All right. Okay, well, I guess I'll talk really loud. So I have, a, I have a hunch I need a headset. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Set you free. I believe it sets you free in your spirit. It sets you free in your life. It sets you free in your family, you know, what, whatever. The, the flip side of that scripture is I believe when you give up on truth in your life, when you turn your back on truth, that life gets very complicated, very problematic. Uh, things become in your life when you take truth and turn it on its upside down. The more 
that you find truth in your life, the freer you are. But the more that you give up on it, I believe you forfeit freedom. You become entangled in, in life. And balderdash is a game that I believe society loves to play. It's a, a game of what I would call truth decay. You know, it's a lot like tooth decay. It doesn't happen overnight, but it happens a little bit at a time. You know, one day you wake up and you got some pain, and you got a cavity. Well, I think it's the same when it comes to truth. You know, the last 50 years, as you have watched society, there's been an erosion of values. The erosion of the value of truth. You know, I believe 50 years ago, if you were to get a group of people together, they would genuinely agree on what was right and wrong. Now, don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean that they did what was right, or they, but they knew. They at least knew what was right in life. And I would argue... All right, don't, don't mess with it. Just let it go. I'll just talk loud. Can you hear me in the back? Yeah. You ever have a day and you just think, why did we get up? We'll stick with you.
you were to decide to go over to St. Louis. So you're cruising down 367 and you're going to get on 270. But instead of the on-ramp, you entered the off-ramp. You might sincerely believe that you're getting on the on-ramp, but you would sincerely be wrong. You know, you would be heading in the wrong direction. You'd be going into traffic. You inevitably would probably cause a collision if you didn't stop. You, you would get hurt or somebody else would end up getting hurt. And my guess is if you were going the wrong way, people would be flashing their lights at you. They'd be pointing or other gestures. And there would probably be people hanging out the window pointing and yelling at you going, you're going the wrong way. Hey, wrong way. Now, it would be kind of silly for you to hang out your window and go, who are you to tell me I'm going the wrong way? <laughs> I, it may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. Well, postmodernism and relativism is built on that idea that there are no absolutes. And friends, that not only is illogical, it's unreasonable. I mean, first of all, making that statement, there are no absolutes, you're making an absolute statement, aren't you? I mean, it makes no sense. It's illogical, and it's not true. The entire world operates on absolutes. Every single day we operate on absolutes in our lives. When you go to the pharmacy, you get a prescription filled. You don't say, hey, give me whatever you got. <laughs> Had a bad service today at church. Give me whatever you got. <laughs> you, don't, you don't do that. And, and the pharmacist doesn't go, you know, I didn't fill your prescription the way that it was written. You know, I know your back's hurting you a lot, but I'm kind of into acne medicine these days. <laughs> so, I'm giving you some stuff and you won't have acne on your back. <laughs> Friends, you don't want a pharmacist like that, do you? I mean, you want a pharmacist that gives you the correct prescription in, in the right dosage. You want him to not be partly right, you want him to be absolutely right in what he gives you. You know, what if, what if street signs were relative? I'm not into stop signs. All right, stop means stop for you, but for me, it means speed up, you know. <laughs> it, it, could, could you imagine the chaos? Could you imagine the, the consequences of that? I mean, it, it could mess you up big time. The world operates on absolutes all the time, yet we live in this balderdash world of postmodernism and relativism. They, they kind of reign. People now value tolerance more than truth. You know, it's, it's more important to be tolerant than to be truthful in life. And in fact, if you are truthful, you're considered ill-tolerant. In, intolerant in your life, right? People go, well, how dare you say that something's right and something's wrong? That, that's intolerant. That's just being judgmental. 
And what we've done in our society is we've redefined the word tolerance. Tolerance used to mean, it used to mean that you and I could totally disagree on something. We could disagree on politics or morality or philosophy or sports or whatever. We could disagree, and tolerance meant that although we disagree about something, that I will still treat you with respect. Now, I would up that if you're a Christian, we are called to love everyone. But the word tolerance in today's world has been shifted. And what it means is all ideas are equally valid. And friends, I want to tell you that's not true. That is a false definition. God does not call us to be accepting and to embrace ungodliness. He calls us to love people. He doesn't call us to embrace lies, to embrace things that are evil or, or dark. And newsflash, all ideas aren't equal. They aren't. Some ideas are twisted. Some are just out to lunch. You know, if I stood up here today and I said, you know what, the moon is made of rock, and someone else says, no, the moon is made of Swiss cheese. Those are not equal ideas. They're not. There are a lot of things in life that are absolutely true. And there are a lot of things in life that are absolutely false. Now, what I want to do today, you know, sometimes God takes you places. When I'm, when I'm sitting putting a message together, I think I'm going one way, and God goes, no, we're going to go this way. This has been one of them weeks. And... So what I want to do today is look at what the consequences for truth decay, what they are in our society and in our own lives. And I want to look at what happens when you let truth go and you go boulder dash with your faith. When you throw out truth and make it up for ourselves along the way. I'm going to kind of cover that this morning. And then what I want to do next week, and I don't do this very often, but these are going to be hinged to one another, is I want to look at how do you know truth and how do you apply truth in your life. And I'm going to be up front because as I was finishing up my message this week, I found it very troubling. I found it got in my head and just kind of rocked me a little bit. And here's what I know. This is going to be hard to hear, and it's going to be somewhat troubling to hear. All right? So what are the consequences of truth decay? Well, one of the first signs that we see of this balderdash mentality, make it up as you go, is immaturity in society. When you let go of truth in favor of tolerance, we get more and more immature. And one of the ways you see it is people are less willing to accept responsibility in their life. You see, I believe one of the marks of maturity is when you begin to take responsibility. But when there's no right or wrong in life, when there's no standard of, of truth, what it allows people to do is live very irresponsible. You know, I can blame other people for my problems, for my struggles. When there's no right or wrong, 
I can do whatever I want because I never have to really accept responsibility for anything. I can kind of pass the buck. I can expect others to take care of me. You know, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. When you throw out truth, friends, things get really immature. You know, in fact, you find that people change like the wind. You know, one day I believe this, the next day I believe that, and, and the next time it's something else because there is no truth. There is no anchor in life. Paul writes this, he says, let us no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone else has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Remember when you were in junior high? I hated junior high, by the way. But do you remember how someone would, would come up to you and, and they would tell you something? You'd go, wow, yeah, I believe that. And then about 10 minutes later, somebody else would come up and tell you something different. you go, I believe that, you know. And 10 minutes later, no, nope, no, nope, I believe that. I mean, immaturity allows you to kind of bounce around in, in your life. And when a society becomes immature, watch out. Now the song or Proverbs uh, writes, it says, a nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. Friends, order gives you a plan. It gives you direction. Instead of uh, aimlessly wandering, you know, or garble. See, I thought I could use that word today. You know? <laughs> it's like, you're wandering around, not knowing what you're doing. You know, without God... You lose order. You start acting immature. The ability to know the difference between right and wrong, I believe, is part of growing up, isn't it? I mean, I believe that's the hope of every parent. How many of you are raising children? Don't you want them to learn the difference between right and wrong? I mean, when, when you were growing up, your parents wanted you to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong in your life. So that you could ultimately take that, that step on your own. That they didn't have to tell you. So that when you were on your own, ultimately, that you would know what was true. You would know what was wrong. And you'd make your decisions based on that. Society, very immature sometimes. You know, I... I think it's easy to go, you know, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, that's a problem in society, but let's bring this home, let's personalize this a little bit. You know, what area in your life do you find yourself being immature, acting like a child, you know, tending to be irresponsible, past the buck, you know, what, what area of your life do you tend to blame other people for? You know, for instance, one I hear a lot is, do you blame other people for your happiness? Because the truth is, this is truth, the truth is, you get to choose your happiness or not. You get to decide whether you're going to be happy in your life or not. You can't blame other people. That's a mark of being irresponsible. It's a mark of immaturity. Again, irresponsibility mark of truth today in society. Here's another sign, immorality. And I know as I say that word, most people automatically go to sexual immorality. But friends, that's one small area. 
of immorality. Immorality merely means no morals. It means you do whatever you want to do because there is no standard of right and wrong. Book of Judges, before it was written at a time when there were no kings, there were no rulers, there, there, nothing was in place yet. Very chaotic. Judges 17 said everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. I read that and I thought, sounds a little bit like our culture today. No standards. Just do whatever. Anything goes. It'll be okay. And friends, when that happens, when it's a free-for-all, what happens in society is we become very self-centered. I get really concerned about who? Me. It's all about me at this point. I am preoccupied with my pleasure, my goals. Me, 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 me. In Ephesians, Paul falls right in. He says, they don't care anymore about right and wrong. And they give themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. Self-centered, pushing, pushing us on. You ever notice, I mean, this is kind of how truth decay works in, in, in your own life. The first time you do something, step over that line, it kind of bothers you, doesn't it? It's like, oh, that, that bothers me. That bothers me. I, I wish I hadn't done that. And then, boom. You know, I don't care what God says. You know, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to do my own thing. But you step across that line, and it kind of bothers you, and then, and then the lights go off. And it gets in your head. The sirens are going off. And then you do it the next time, and it's a little less. And then finally, one day, it doesn't bother you at all. Whether it's lying, or stealing, or cheating, or whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter, because it gets easier, and easier, and easier. Pretty soon, what you find is you begin to mock what was right. You begin to make fun of it. You know, Proverbs says, the stupid ridicule right and wrong. How do you know when truth decay is happening in your life? You start rationalizing. You start rationalizing. You know, I know this is wrong, but God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? I know this is wrong, but, but I deserve this. I deserve that. You know, I've got it coming. Here, we're going to get personal now. What is it that you are, are trying to rationalize in your life? Now, I've said before, rational, they're lies. That's what we do. We lie to ourselves to continue in whatever it is we're doing. You know, am I trying to rationalize my lifestyle? You know, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to spend with God each day. Just so busy. Just busy, busy, busy. No. I, I cut a few corners in my business, but, you know, it's the only way you make it. Yeah, okay, so I twist the numbers on my tax form a little bit. Everybody's doing it. What are you trying to rationalize? See, I always know when I'm heading down that path, because I do the yeah, but. Yeah, but. And it jams you up. Friends, you want to know 
you're traveling down that road, look at what you're trying to justify. Immorality, immaturity. How about this one? Illusion. Illusion. You know, it, I'm talking about living in illusion. You know, disconnecting from, from reality. You know, one of the sure signs of truth decay in, in business or in society is when we lose track of reality. You know, we just we just dismiss it. We stop believing truth and we start believing whatever comes along. Stop believing in right and wrong and true and false. We begin to, to get down a road and we become very, very gullible. You know, do whatever works for you. Do whatever works for the company. Do whatever works for our lives. I find it very troubling. People are more willing to put their faith in something like crystals or tarot cards or tea leaves or whatever the newest fad happens to be than to trust God in life. Very troubling. Second Thessalonians says, since they refused to trust truth, they vanished to their chosen world of lies and illusions. Lies and illusions. And I know as I was talking, some of you are going, well, I'm good on this one. I'm not into palm reading and those kind of things. I'm grounded in reality. Let's dig deeper. Let's dig a little bit deeper with this illusion because I, I think it does trip us up more than we want to admit. I mean, how about having more will make me more secure? You can lose everything like that. It's not true. Having more will make me happy. Not true. Having more will make me more valuable. Now you're getting your value and your valuables confused. They're not the same. Here's my point. No, you haven't bought into tarot cards. At least I hope that's the case. But we buy into lies. You know, the, the culture keeps pushing and we keep buying. And when culture, friends, stops valuing truth, people feel free to believe whatever they want to believe, all kinds of stuff. They just go places and you go, what is going on? Pretty soon, you just make up stuff. Make up stories, blend fact and fiction. And I, I get a little concerned as I watch media today because it, it seems to be the trend, you know, we take a story about real life people, you know, and they go, this is a real story. And then they make up facts. They slice and dice it. They change things. They leave out stuff. They add things. And they say, if you were to ask them, well, you need to make it more interesting, more palatable. They call it a, a docudrama. Call it a real story. The reality is, it's got a real story beginning with a lot of lies and stuff added and subtracted. And I think it takes its hit on society. I think society begins to go, oh yeah, that's, you just kind of make stuff up and that'll be pleasing. And it just goes dark, dark places. I did a little research on this. You know, two of our pulp, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, writers, journalists, Big-time journalists, one of them for New York Times, the other one for USA Today. The article that they won with, they, they found out that they had made up a good portion of it. And they went public. They had to go public and admit that they had done that. 
sign of the time. How many of you have, uh, I wonder how many of you read A Million Little Pieces, the book? It was on Oprah and Big Hoopla, number one seller. That was until James Fry was kind of exposed. You know, ultimately, Oprah had to come back and apologize to her viewers. One of many things that probably should be apologized for. Truth, lies, blended, share it, show it. Look at society go, yeah, well, let's bring this home a little bit. How do you know when there's truth decay in your life in this area? When you find yourself fading it, you find yourself acting like you're something that you're not, <coughs> pretending. You know, you look at areas of your life and, and examine those different areas. Where is it that you say, that's not really me? You know, I'm pretending. It, it's an illusion. It is not who I really am in, in my life. Let's go to another one, indiscretion. That becomes a sign of the times. You know, when there's right and wrong is kind of tossed out, you cross the, the lines and everything's okay. And you, you think, okay, I'm all right here. No, no truth, no wrong, no big deal. You know, I was thinking about, I don't think anyone in Enron or Tyco or MCI or any of the great scandals of the last decade I don't think anybody started out that way. I don't. I don't think they sat around and go, let's figure out how to rip off about $500 billion in investors' money. You know, let's figure out how to do it. And I don't think somebody woke up one morning and goes, hey, let's make up some big lies, steal a lot of money, waste all that money, and make everybody go bankrupt. <laughs> that is not how it starts. It all started with little indiscretion. Cutting corners, shaving figures, you know, a little, little white lie. That bugs me, that term. People say that, they go, it's just a little white lie. Friends, here's what I got to say that. A lie is a lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. Period. You can color it whatever color you want, but it doesn't make it true. It's a lie. And what happens is when you go, well, now I'm just trying to save their feelings, and so I just lied then it creeps, it gets bigger. When truth goes out the window, it starts as something very small, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I know, as I'm talking, some of you are going, well, now, come on, now. I've got a few indiscretions here and there. It's not a big deal. I've got it compartmentalized. It doesn't spread into the rest of my life. It's confined to here. It's confined to there, or whatever. And you know what? You're falling for the Titanic myth. You know, the Titanic uh, is the idea that you can compartmentalize and you won't sink. Do you know before the Titanic would, was put uh, out to sea, ships had one hull. And so if that hull was breached, the ship would sink. That was just, if it was breached much, it would just sink a ship like that. So they built the Titanic, and you remember, the big statement was unsinkable, unsinkable. Why? Because they compartmentalized it. The idea was that the water would get into one compartment, but it wouldn't affect the rest of the ship, and we all know how that one turned out, right? 
Well, I think people live their lives that way. They compartmentalize. We're pretty good at this, especially guys. And I want to tell you that if you think you're okay, if you're compartmentalizing something in your life, you are heading toward disaster, and it will have titanic proportion in your life. You can compartmentalize and go, well, now, I've got this thing here at work, and, you know, I have to bend the rules a little bit, but I'm okay the rest of my life. It's not going to affect anything else, you know. I'm not going to sink my ship. I'm not going to sink my family. I'm not going to sink my reputation. And as your pastor, I want to tell you, get out while you still can. Get out while you still can. Loss of integrity will cost you. It will sink you. It will take you down and you will not find it easy to get back up. You know, integrity means that your life is integrated. It's not compartmentalized. You know, you can't have integrity in, in your life if it is not integrated into every aspect of your life. You know, you can't go, well, now, this is my work life, and this is my business life, and this is my recreational life, this is my home life, this is my sex life, this is my church life. If you find you're doing that and going, I'm okay here, no, yes, yes, you're in trouble. You're compartmentalizing. That is not integrity. Integrity means that we are through and through. What you see is what you get. You're the same at home, at work, at a party, when you're on the road, when you're traveling, when you're at church. In other words, you're not wearing masks. You're not a, not a hypocrite. not a fake and phony. We all fail. That's just the reality. People always say, well, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites. Really? We all mess up from time to time. You know, the church ought to be full of people that are struggling, people that, that are trying. But again, are you different person at church than you are at work? Because when truth decay happens, we begin to segment. It's only this area. I'll be okay. It's not a big deal. Proverbs 14 says, there's a way that seems right to a person. What's it say? Let's get personal on this one. Where are you shaving corners? Where are you telling those little white lies that you're convinced aren't a big deal? You know, where are you not being straight? Where are you not being up front? Indiscretions are a sign of truth decay. Another sign is idolatry. You know, and what I mean by that is when truth gets turned upside down, when when we begin to worship the wrong things, when right and wrong aren't right and wrong anymore, our priorities get messed up, our values get messed up. And, you know, I'll be honest, I would I find that I start worshiping things that I, that I shouldn't. You know, it just it gets you messed up in, in your life. You know, you begin to idolize things like wealth or success or physical beauty or popularity or whatever. And when it really gets skewed, you start idolizing people and things that, that are just twisted and dark. You, you, you notice what gets the limelight on TV these days? I just shake my head and go, you're kidding me. This is who's going to get our attention? This is who people come in from all over and pack the streets to, to meet and see and I'm going, 
what, what is going on? But when truth decay happens, it all gets turned upside down. Looked on its head. You know, we, we change our values. Wrong things become right. Right things become wrong. Good becomes bad. Bad becomes good. Friends, somewhere along the way, you got to stop. Or it'll mess you up. The tide has to turn at, at some point. It makes me sad. I watch TV and um, criminals get treated like celebrities. You go off the chart in our society, do something way out there, and you can land multi-million dollar book deals. And, and the worse and the crazier it gets, the bigger the prize. Friends, without truth, things get turned upside down. And I would, I would suggest to you that there are a lot of things upside down in society. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. They worshiped the things God made, but not the Creator Himself. Let's get personal on this one. What is it that you idolize? You know, what is it that you find so important that, that you wish you had, that it monopolizes your times? And it doesn't necessarily have to be wrong what you're going after or bad. But friends, if it's taken your heart and it's got first position and it's not God off the top, it's upside down. One last one real quick, and I believe injustice becomes an issue. When there are no standards of right and wrong, when there are no absolutes anymore, things get twisted. It says our courts close to people who are righteous. Justice is nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the street, and fairness has been not law. When you show truth the door, and you say no absolutes anymore, anything goes, you know, you push God out, things get turned upside down. And if truth decay is not stopped at some point, all you got to do is read histories. And you find out eventually anarchy will rule. You know, truth decay, I think, comes with a high price tag. It creates a lot of damage. It kind of has a rippling effect as it touches your life and mine and ultimately societies. What's the solution? Well, I think somehow you've got to turn the tide. You know, how do you do that? Well, I can tell you what won't do it. Politics isn't going to do it. Legislation is not going to do it. Definitely the, the what's got us here, this balderdash mentality, make it up as you go, throw truth, truth to the side and make up whatever you want, isn't going to do it. Bible is real clear. says that it's Christians are to be the salt and the light of the world that we are to stand for truth, not be obnoxious. That's a whole other discussion we can talk about. But to be truth in the midst of a society that's postmodern, relative, 
balderdash oriented. This is what I believe. I believe faith fellowship is called to be salt and light to people not only in this area but around the world. I believe God has, has called us to show a lot of love to the world, but at the same time, keep pointing toward truth, toward where God's at, to help people connect. And um, that's tricky sometimes. But it is a responsibility that I believe churches all across the world need to embrace. Because at the point the church, I'm talking any church, decides all of a sudden, well, we'll just kind of make it up as we go. And we abandon God's word. I don't give us much hope. It'll just tailspin at some point. Salt and light. Salt and light. Next, next week, we're, we're going to talk. Uh, and I know, if this was your first time here, you're going, whoa, man, you just disturbed my whole day. Uh, that, that is not my norm, but that's where God placed me, and so here we go. Let, let's bow in the word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, please forgive us. Sometimes we've turned our back that we've... Uh, We've abandoned your truth. God, I pray that you'd open our hearts, that you would help us to be the people you've called us to be. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many ways that you're with us. Guide our path. God, may we be the salt and light of this world. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.